on this episode. <laughs> I've been, see, that's what I've been waiting for. That's what I've been waiting for. Holy shit. Oh, my goodness. That's gold, man. <laughs> <laughs> That is truly offensively can't. funny. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of No Country for Old Mark and Juan. I am your host, Mark Pearson, and this is my co-host, Juan Smith. 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 And once again, we have Adam Radliff here with us. How you guys doing? What's up, Adam? Uh, Juan. Hope you had a better day than me, buddy. <laughs> Guaranteed we had a better day than you. <laughs> Real quick before we get into things, uh, reach out to us at facebook.com slash nocountrypodcast, uh, Instagram at no underscore country underscore podcast, or on Twitter at podcast underscore country. You can email us at nocountrypodcast at gmail.com. Or you can send us a voicemail to 346-291-0050. Now, before we get into today's subject, uh, we had a listener reach out to us this week. Uh, you remember Mr. Cheeks, who whenever he laughs, his cheeks are so big, they go up over his eyes and he can't see? I can't forget him. Yeah, he, uh, he reached out to me again yesterday, and he said he had sent you a message on social media, but you never got back to him. And I was like, well, that's not a surprise. Typical, typical. I thought I did. Yeah, well, I told him, I was like, sorry. I was like, Juan, he's, you know, probably was out in a blizzard, stuck somewhere. You know, maybe his power lines caught on fire like they did today, possibly. But uh, he, he, said, he, sent a, <laughs> he said he sent you a picture of how he looks when he drives. And yeah, it looks like he couldn't see a thing. Oh, no, I did see that. And I thought you I did? did respond to it. Yeah, but I oh, must okay. not have hit send. <laughs> that's, that's probably it. But yeah. What did you say? I what have no idea. Of? Yeah, he definitely didn't say anything. He no. ignored this motherfucker. Yeah. No, not at all. No, I know who it was even. Yeah. His name yeah. is Matthew, and he's a big fan. He's... Oh, he, Matty Cheeks? No. <laughs> well, yeah, we can call him Matty Cheeks now. Yeah, that's oh. a good name. Hey, Matty Cheeks, you got a name now. Officially. But anyway, he sent us a, a message months and months ago saying how, like, first time he was listening to the podcast, he was driving down the road, he was laughing so hard, like... He couldn't see because his cheeks came up over his eyes. And so then we made jokes like, dude, would you do like go take out a bunch of school kids? Dear God, that seems like a design flaw. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like in, in the human body, if you can't smile or laugh without blinding yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you got to re- rethink things. Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. I'll show you that picture later. I don't have it right now. but Well, at least he doesn't have fur on his back. <laughs> like Backbeard over here. <laughs> oh, Backbeard. <laughs> Yeah, I heard that from the last episode. Oh, yeah. That's that's a thing now. That's a thing now. I'm pretty positive you did say backbeard. He did say backbeard. Oh, I did it. I did. Uh, yeah. 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 You were I've right. listened to it like, uh, you know, probably five, six, seven times and through all the editing. I'm like, no, that's actually what he said. It was so. very clear, actually. <laughs> when, you said it the, when you said it the first time, I was like, did he just say backbeard? Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was talking about blackbeard. And then, uh, then you like walked it back instantly. I was like, oh, no. I'm pretty sure he said blackbeard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my uh, mouth Tourette's. Mouth Tourette's. That's what Tourette's is, bro. Well, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 
you know. <laughs> okay, so we're going to get into a, an interesting subject today. It's actually one of Adam and I's favorite subjects, and it's probably something Juan doesn't know a whole lot about because as we've already established on this podcast, Juan forgets everything in about five to ten minutes. So, Who are got, you people? <laughs> <laughs> he's got that you know, same disease as the guy from Memento, you know, everything forgets everything in short term memory. That's why I'm not angry anymore. Great Great movie. (laughs) So uh, we're going to talk today about uh, someone who's kind of famous in history, uh, Nero, and, you know, one of the emperors of the Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire was one of the greatest empires of the ancient world. At its peak, it ruled 1.9 million square miles and had a population of between 70 to 100 million. I tend to believe the higher end of that mark, the more 100 million, but scholars debate that. But I could definitely see at their peak them you know, ruling 100 million people. That would be easy. Uh, the empire controlled territory from modern-day England as far north all the way down to Egypt, and then from east to west from Portugal to Kuwait. I'm sorry, from west to east. So a pretty sizable you know, amount of the ancient world there. Uh, Rome originally started just as a city, in Italy, and then expanded to a city-state, and then eventually to a kingdom, and then to a republic, and then it eventually became an empire. An interesting fun fact, uh, the last king of Rome before it came a republic, his name was Superbus. It's a pretty sweet name. Yeah. Yeah, man, you can't fuck with that. No. Like, I was like, that's, that's a pretty legit name. And it was actually kind of funny because when I was in Tel Aviv, which sits on the Mediterranean, which was part of, you know, the Roman you know, Empire at one point in time, there is actually a city bus system called Superbus. Do you think there's any way related? I have a feeling Pro- it was not. <laughs> Probably not. But <laughs> I made that connection instantly. And I was like, hey, Superbus, that's kind of funny. Please tell me you didn't share that with anybody on the bus. No. Like, Who the fuck is this guy? Accosting me, uh, talking to me about name. Yeah. <laughs> the super bus played for the Steelers. Yeah. You can take me down, but you're probably going to hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you land on us, like you know, like those old cartoons, you know, with oh, what's it, Roadrunner? You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Knocking weights onto Wiley Coyote. That would be one. Just the weight, just smashing the coyote. This is about as good a riff as what you said to this guy on the super bus. Thinking. <laughs> yeah, it is. I know. I know. Start out, standards low, keep it low. Start out with your worst material. <laughs> Anyways, Rome. We're building, and soon we'll be an empire and eventually world dominance. <laughs> Basically, uh, Rome gave the world uh, a lot. Uh, they gave the world Roman numerals, the first newspaper, which, funny. It was not actually a newspaper. It was just the news written on stones or metal slabs. Also called Superbus. <laughs> That's actually, that actually the Superbus Times. There you go. Yeah, there we go. Uh, they gave you know modern plumbing, waste management, uh, arches in construction. If any any of you out there know anything about construction, they invented the keystone, a very critical part of constructing arches. Very very important part of my college um, drinking plan as well. <laughs> Keystone 30 packs. <laughs> Ooh, that's rough. Yeah. It's an economy beer, okay? It's for the people. It's sub snobbery. Sub economy. <laughs> sub, <laughs> subhuman. Is what you're, what yeah. you're really getting at. Yeah. 
they also gave central air conditioning, something that I didn't know, which is actually pretty interesting. Aqueducts, bound books, which is I didn't know that either. Uh, some you know laws such as uh, habeas corpus, social welfare, the Ju- Julian calendar, which is very similar to the calendar that we use today. Uh, apartments, postal service, military tactics, uh, grid layouts, and city planning, actually. having Because before the Romans came around, cities were just kind of like a mess. And then siege warfare. Siege warfare, they didn't invent it, but they greatly improved upon it. And I think one of the biggest things they did give the world was concrete. And ironically, after the empire fell, concrete disappeared for like 1,500 years and was just rediscovered maybe like 100, 100, 200 years ago. Not that long ago. Yeah, I saw something about that where like they knew how to do, make concrete dry underwater or some yeah. shit like way back in the day. It yeah. was just lost to history for a long time. Yeah, for you know over a thousand years. And then you know people are making stuff out of mud and stones for 1,500 years. And all of a sudden, someone's like, hey, what's this? Oh, concrete. Hey, we figured this out. Oh, no, Rome did that long, long time ago. What's interesting so, was I saw a documentary just recently where they studied their concrete, it's still yeah. superior to modern day concrete. Yeah, it is. It's volcanic ash, right? That's yeah. the reason why. Yeah, it's volcanic ash, and there's actually still like gypsum mines there that they found that the Romans, you know, where they got their gypsum from. You know, I mean, these they, these guys were like the, that was like part of it, and then like that's what they used to make drywall. Now, like they really were ahead of the game back then. But in Rome. Uh, Roman people were broken up into two classes: the patricians, the wealthy upper class, and then the plebeians, or the Castonians. The, ple- <laughs> the plebeians were everybody else. So, whatever class you were born into, you stayed in for in stayed in that class for life, and you were not allowed to marry across classes or move up to the patricians. So, the leadership of the government and the military was made up mostly of the patricians. During the Roman Empire, the emperor was the ultimate authority and had the final say in everything. The Roman Senate still existed, but it didn't do all that much, much like the current U.S. Senate. The senators mostly (laughs) got him. (laughs) Shots fired. (laughs) Suck on that Senate. Yeah. Uh, The senators mostly sat around eating spaghetti while trying to come up with ways to increase... Seems racially insensitive. I'm just going to go ahead and go go on the the record. Eating spaghetti. Is this all historical fact? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I threw in the spaghetti part. There we go. I was like, Jesus. (laughs) Okay, they mostly sat around eating spaghetti while trying to come up with ways to increase their own status and power while kissing the emperor's ass or just plotting to have him killed. One of the two. Because the Senate either loved the emperor or they hated them. And then assassination of political opponents was a really, really big thing. in the empire at that time like that was how you moved up was you if your family got in power and you had a rival you tried to eliminate everybody else in your rival's family not just like the rival it was like let's get rid of the guy and then his wife and then their kids and then their uncles and their step i mean it was it was crazy they're assassin like you probably could have made a really good living as an assassin back in those days if you didn't care if you know had no moral compass whatsoever it's like sure i'll murder kids it's pretty crazy. Oh, by the way, before we get too deeper into this, I could have just on Nero, I could have made this like a six hour episode. So I had to condense it and pick some of the most interesting things because there was just so much material. It like 
this one dude's life he did so much so i tried to take like the highlights of it the most interesting things and if you want to go into it and research it more there's tons of stuff on youtube tons of stuff on like biography biography websites there's great books great audiobooks and yeah this is a really interesting one i wanted to do one on caligula maybe we'll do one on caligula later because that's be a filthy one yeah caligula took like Nero stuffed to the next level. It was oh, yeah. nuts. <laughs> he's, he's a dirty, nasty, uh, <laughs> nasty man. Yeah. So the Roman military was made up of the Roman legions, and each legion was controlled by a commander or a general. And those were also usually members of the Senate who were appointed as a legate to go command a legion for three years. So these senators would, hey, you know what? You're going to go control this army. And typically these guys did have some sort of military experience and they were considered good military leaders. Like, you know what? You're just going to go be in command of a legion for three years. We need to re we need to reinstitute that, I think. It's actually not a bad... Looking into like how it's the Roman military was structured... in the game. Yeah. Like, I'm... I <laughs> Up until the last couple of years, I didn't think... I, I'm a big... Uh, now I'm a big proponent of like mandatory military service. It gives you some structure. It gives you self discipline. Like everyone that you I watched, you you did one North Korea podcast, and now you're pro. <laughs> no, it actually mandatory came from military. It service. actually came from one. Like I have several friends and family who ha you know have served, mm -hmm. and I'm like, wow, it, it all seemed to ground them, give them a lot more structure. They seem to be more well rounded individuals. And then after going to Israel, or homeless people, or homeless people, yeah, <laughs> it depends on where they had to serve and what they had to what do. They had to see. Yeah. Uh, the other thing was actually after touring and traveling around Israel, like. Uh, military service is mandatory for everybody man yeah, it's man and women right? man, man and woman men four years women three years and everyone there you know the two things i noticed was everyone picks up smoking immediately and then <laughs> which then which me is just kind of like a killer for me i'm like nah no i'm i'm and then everyone else they, like, i'll shoot a motherfucker just don't make me <laughs> smoke a cigarette basically <laughs> all right but everyone there is they're, they all have this just like this inner confidence, which is actually really cool. Mm -hmm. And the cool thing about a lot of the people in Israel, once they get out, they usually specialize in something. And then the things that they specialize in, they can get great jobs in other countries because they're very, very specialized, say, in like electronic warfare or cyber terrorism stuff like that so they get out of the military at like you know in their early 20s and then can go get great jobs pretty much anywhere and they're in really really high demand so yeah. i was like that's actually a really not a bad idea yeah i think that that's definitely should be an option you should either have to do that or you do like some community service for a couple of years yeah and even i would even say like you don't have to do either if you don't want to but if you want free college, you have to do one of the two, and then like yeah. all your college is paid for. That's a good idea because you're you're not you're getting something for it, but then also you're getting a lot of experience and you're learning a lot and growing as a person rather than just graduating from high school, going into college, like you and drinking your ass off. Exactly, like you're. And also, if you're going to be in an authority, you know, someone who is going to be in charge of the military, <laughs> I always found it odd when we would have presidents with no military background. It's like you're <laughs> yeah. the commander in chief. And you've never served. What? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it makes sense. Not to make, yeah. It's, you shouldn't be able to like make decisions on sending people into military yeah. situations if you've never seen that in person. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, one of Juan and I's friends, uh, Ben, uh, he served. And 
one of the things like when he got back from boot camp, he came back with a video of when they tear gassed him because they tear gas you. Oh fuck! Because and I was like, why do they? Up until then, I had no idea they did that. And I was like, why do they do that? And he said they just took him all. They took all the guys into a room, and then they threw tear gas. And he said the the drill sergeant has a gas mask on, and he said he went by and punched everybody in the gut to make sure they inhaled it. And then afterwards, he's like, you went through that, so you know what it's like, so that way you don't tear gas people unnecessarily. Right. And I right. was like, that's actually really smart. Like, it sounds awful, <sighs> but, I mean, he he said, like, he, he has it on video, too, because they, like, videotaped it. He's got, like, snot pouring out of it. Like, every, <laughs> everything on his, his eyes, his nose, it's just, he looks like he's in so much agony. But I was like, okay. Like, Did they get the punch, too? No, oh, didn't damn. get the punch. I wanted to see that, but only saw it afterwards. <laughs> uh, I'm definitely gonna be the one signing up for the like the uh, community service. service. <laughs> <laughs> Not trying to get tear gas, folks. <laughs> no, that I mean, it's well, just tear it like a bandaid. Just tear it off and get it over with. That's what I say. Plus, you're probably more likely to be in good shape for the rest of your life if you do military yeah. service. Most people that I know, not all. I know some that aren't. Uh, but most people that I know that have, you know, been in the military, they seem to be more self-disciplined when it comes to their health. They take care, better care of themselves because they've been taught the value of that. You know, n- pr- everybody that I know that has served, they hate PT. They're always like, ah, but, right. you know, they, they understand there's a reason for it. I only know one person who served that, you know. PT, for those who don't know, is Pacific time. <laughs> Everyone hates Pacific time. <laughs> exactly. It's all about that central time. Preach. Yep. Okay. So Roman soldiers came in two different types. They were legionaries and auxiliaries. I don't know if it's legionaries or legionnaires, but I forgot to double check that. I'm just saying legionaries because I like the way it sounds. Uh, the legionaries had to be at least 17 years old when they enlisted and then signed up for a 25-year commitment. Yikes. So if you signed up, you had to be in for 25 years. Those are pre-internet years. Yeah. Those are even longer years. So you're not getting out into your 30s. So legionaries were the elite soldiers, and once they had completed their 25 years of service, they were given a gift of land, which was their own, and then in addition, they had their wages. So it was actually, I mean, 25 years is a long time, but they got land to work afterwards. And a lot of the times... When these soldiers did retire, they got pretty good plots of land. It wasn't like they got the crap land. Like they're, these were th- so they're forty two at this point. Yeah, so they're th- and you know, they're like, all right now go farm, <laughs> go break your back in the fields. But well, think about it though. It wasn't that they would just buy slaves because slavery was a big thing in the Roman. Well, Empire. in that case, so, all for it. And actually, I looked into that more. Like the smart soldiers, because they had their food and water and their living. Ex- they would just traveled around. So all of their needs were paid, basically paid for. So if they saved their money and didn't gamble it away or throw it away, they would have a pretty sizable fortune when they were done. So they could have a lot of money to start a business or a farm or whatever with this land. So if the guys who were smart, they could really have done well for themselves if they survived the 25 years. Yeah. 25 years of hand to hand combat. Yeah. Like almost nonstop. <laughs> yeah. Unless you were around during Augustus's time. Yeah. Then you're okay. Yeah. So, okay, let me find my spot. <laughs> okay, the auxiliaries, 
the uh, not the legionnaires, they were not Roman citizens, and they were paid only one third of the wages that the legionaries would make. And they were often guards, or they were just put on the front lines. So these guys were basically just the cannon fodder of the army, or they were just the guards at like temples or forts and stuff like that. So could plebeians be uh, auxiliaries, or still have to if be they were, patricians? The, it, uh, actually, the um, you had to be a Roman citizen to sign up for the military. So you could be either. Uh, this is as long as you were a citizen. The auxiliaries were mostly non-Roman citizens, so they were most likely always the plebeians. Gotcha, gotcha. Because they were just that lower social. So, hey, like, just send all of them to the front. Yeah, yeah. it was just... Don't give a damn. <laughs> exactly. So all those guys, if you've seen the movie Gladiator, all the guys that died were probably just, you know, auxiliaries and plebeians. You know, non-Roman citizens. Uh, Roman soldiers lived on a diet of all they could eat, salad and breadsticks, and spent most of their time training. <laughs> Is that an Olive Garden reference? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, look like, at Wait Juan. a damn second. Juan's trying so like, hard not to laugh. Because <laughs> when they're in the military, they're family. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'd <laughs> sign up for that shit. I'd be like, pasta vajol, all I can eat? <laughs> Only 25 years? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so in all seriousness, that joke isn't that far off. Their staple food was mostly bread and vegetables with beef, mutton, or pork. And I looked into it. So, like, it wasn't necessarily, like, salad and vegetables and, you know, breadsticks, not that far off. Uh, the legionnaires ate rather well, depending on where they were stationed. Uh, if they were, like, out in the boonies, they, you know, usually just had whatever was on hand or whatever they, you know, killed or took from the places they conquered. But most of the time, they were kept, you know, supplied very, very well. And then the legionaries would also build roads and bridges and walls when moving through and conquering and occupying new territories. So they were kind of like, you know, the current, you know, U.S. Army engineers are. Mm-hmm. They could build stuff, build bridges, build roads, and then they fought, too. They, they were pretty legit fighting force. It's looking into the tactics, I, I could go and talk on that for another hour, but we're not going to do it because we have way too much to go through. But I really recommend looking into it. It's really, really fascinating how this ancient army just like kicked ass for so many years. Yeah, their engineering is what really impressed me the most. Like yeah. They could like build like bridges, they could build fortifications like super quick, and yeah. they were super disciplined about it. And they, yeah, that's definitely why they were whooping ass there's a um there's a documentary called roman empire on netflix and it tells the story of uh julius caesar Mm -hmm. and one of the coolest things he did he had an army and he surrounded the gauls and the gauls were in this fortified town or they they went to this town and they he didn't the the, they had like a hundred thousand or other reinforcements coming another hundred thousand gauls were coming to attack so Caesar was like, hey, you know what? We're going to build a wall around the town that these guys are in, and we're going to try and starve them out. And then he built another wall. So he had two walls, and the Roman soldiers were in between the walls, and they took on the guys in the town and the 100,000 guys outside of the town, and they won. It's, it's a really, really cool story. Yeah, they whooped their ass, too. Yeah. Vercingetorix or something? Yeah, Vercingetorix. Like they completely, completely outnumbered, and he was like, what can we do? And they just like... He just like pushed his men so hard to build these two giant walls, basically build a fort, like a ring fort. And it's a really, really cool. I really recommend that documentary. Yeah, they won like 10 to 1 odds. Uh, yeah. But then again, it's 10 to 1 in French people. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Not known for their uh, no. Well, I mean the German. Just the kidding, French people. Germanic tribes like gave him you know problems for hundreds exactly. of years. <laughs> hundreds and they of years. the French. Yeah, yeah Germans were nonstop. Yeah, I'm. I'm like coming at you. Not here to like talk crap about the French, but I mean, sorry guys, history. <laughs> it's not like, other than Napoleon helping us out during the Revolutionary War. Exactly. Not a whole lot going. He on was. There. He did okay till he was like, hey, I'm gonna take on Russia. You never take on Russia during no, the winter. Never take big on mistake. Yeah, big, You're not big, signing big. up for 25 years of their food, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Can you imagine 25 years of French food, all that heavy cream? You'd be that's, fish. That's, <laughs> exactly. For breakfast. You'd ha- definitely have the gout from all the wine. Oh, and- yeah. Oh, yeah. So, in Rome, there was also the Praetorian Guard. These motherfuckers. Yeah. They were not a part of the Roman military. They were an elite unit of men who served as the personal bodyguards of the emperor, and they also gathered intelligence for him. So they were like bodyguards and spies. They were created by the first emperor, Augustus, to be his personal security. And then in the following years, they began to take on more roles, and at times they even interfered in the political process. After they assassinated Caligula... Uh, they had conspired with the Senate to get rid of Caligula because Caligula just went off the rails. Uh, they proclaimed his uncle Claudius emperor. If they had not, the Senate would have taken power again and the Praetorian Guard would have probably have been dissolved. They were paid three times as much as legionaries were and only had to serve for half the time so you can understand why they would want to keep their jobs and proclaim another emperor. For sure, yeah. I know That's a pretty I sweet deal. Yeah. Wasn't the guy who killed Caligula like constantly getting ripped on by yeah. Caligula? Caligula was always mocking him for having like an effeminate voice or a squeaky right. voice or something yeah. like that. And finally he had had enough and the Senate were like, hey, aren't you sick of him? And so then he just was like, one day he just stabbed him. He's like, I've had enough of this. And the Senate thought they were going to take over. And so then he turns around and the, his uncle Claudius was like hiding in the room mm-hmm. and they found his uncle. And so his uncle thought he was going to die. Claudius thought he was going to die. And the commander of the Praetorian Guard was like, hey, hail the new emperor. And mm-hmm. all the senators were like, damn it. <laughs> yeah, hiding behind a curtain. Yeah. So, yeah, it worked out for Claudius. He was... So- what I learned from that is that we make fun of Juan a lot. Yeah. He's definitely going to off squeaky us. squeaky voice. <laughs> <laughs> we keep it up. He's going to definitely take a, a couple of knives to us. He's going to send when he his, comes down here. He's going to send his kids. That's to just us. way too much effort. <laughs> you must be a gall. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, Juan. Juan's like, fuck this guy. I'm... I'm I'm taking time away from my family to do this uh, this <laughs> podcast. I'm just getting ripped on here. Oh, no, it's part of the course. Yeah. Okay, while the emperor of Rome had ultimate power, he did need the support of the Senate, the military, and the Praetorian Guard. That's why I just went over the Senate, the military, and the Guard. Uh, there, were s- there are several examples of emperors acting so selfish or just playing crazy, like in the case of Caligula, that caused them to lose the support of the Senate military or the praetorian guard or all three of them causing them to be assassinated or civil wars to break out uh, you look into roman history there's like a civil war like every few decades it is a pretty common thing like i didn't realize that till i started doing some hardcore research and i'm like what another civil war i'm like this is ridiculous 
Well, there are constantly like families trying to take over. Like, right. well, if we just kill the right people, yeah, we can take over, and, and they all think that they're the shit, and yeah. but they don't realize like, uh, uh, no, the people don't want you either. It just sounds like a bunch of gang warfare. Amongst the it kind of was, right shit, yeah. It right? kind of was. It really kind of was. So now that we have a better understanding of what Rome was like, we are going to dive into the life of one of Rome's most famous, famous or infamous emperors, Nero. Uh, Nero Claudius Caesar Augustus Germanicus was born to parents Gnaeus Domitus Ahenobarbus and Agrippina the Younger. Yeah, these people loved multiple syllable names. Mm-hmm. Seriously. And repeated names. Yeah. A lot of the same names. A lot of the same names. Like, how many? There's so many guys that were named Germanicus or yeah. Augustus. Well, yeah, the original Germanicus was a badass. Yeah, he was a great general. And he was named Germanicus because he kicked the Germans' ass. Not easy to do, unlike no. the French. Yeah. And very easy to do. There was no guy's name Gaul. No, Let's none. Put it that way. Gallicus? Yeah. Gallanicus? <laughs> Nothing. Uh, in, Nero's father was famous for creating a contraceptive made from squirrel feces and pine tar. Sadly, Nero's mother died during the testing phase for this contraceptive because she was the primary test subject, leaving Nero an only child. That's a shitty way to get brought into the world. Yeah. Okay, so I made up that ridiculous story. <laughs> See one like squinting. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like, how did they figure that out with squirrel shit? Okay, <laughs> so wait, one, one, hold on. I made up that ridiculous story, but it made me wonder, what kind of contraceptives did the Romans and other ancient cultures use? And, uh, oh boy, the internet did not disappoint me with answers <laughs> to real? this. Oh, For real? For real. This shit. Okay, so the first one I found was a Greek, <laughs> yeah, a Greek gynecologist who treated women in Rome came up with the, quote, sneezing method. He instructed his female patients to hold their breath when their man ejaculated into them and then pull away a little bit to keep the semen from going too deeply into them. Then the women were instructed to squat close to the ground and induce sneezing and then wipe their vaginas. Number two, the same gynecologist, so it's kind of like part two of part one. Uh, he also had another method. Women were instructed to grind up the peel of a pomegranate and mix it with water and oak gall. Now, oak gall is a large growth on an oak tree that is made by insects. So, kind of gross. Uh, the women were supposed to insert this mixture to prevent pregnancy. Apparently different... Yeah, I don't prevent it because I'm not sticking my dick in there. <laughs> yeah. Let's be serious, one. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I was. <laughs> uh, apparently different fruits were thought to prevent pregnancy. And in Turkey... Women, or before it was Turkey, in ancient, you know, that region, uh, women rubbed smashed juniper berries on themselves to keep from getting pregnant. I wonder how, like, accurate, like, how that actually, did how often did that actually work? Uh, One, number three, one method that actually works, this is insane, this actually works, is from ancient Egypt. Women took unripe acacia fruit, mixed it with honey, and ground dates, and put it on a piece of cotton, and inserted it like a tampon. This worked for the most part because acacia gum ferments into lactic acid, which can be a spermicide. So that was kind of interesting. I wonder who like stumbled onto that. You know, a lot of trial and error. A lot of kids. Well, think about it. Oh my god! You're like, oh, I'm gonna, I gotta find this uh, birth control method. So I gotta just gotta constantly fuck. <laughs> yeah. And try every little <laughs> thing. 
And you're going to have a lot of kids, but yeah. whenever you figure it out, you're going to be famous. Exactly. So oh. somebody in Egypt did that. Uh, number four, this is one of the... There's two left. This is one of the worst <laughs> things I've ever heard. In China, women drank liquid lead, liquid mercury, and arsenic, and sometimes all three together. This is super dangerous and can cause brain damage and kidney failure. I guess killing yourself slowly or just rotting your brain is a good way to make sure you don't get pregnant. Well, the Chinese are known for math skills, not biology skills, <laughs> in fairness. I'm just going to have a, racial stereotypes. That's all I'm going to talk about. This whole so you're going to jump in on the pasta jokes here pretty soon then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, and finally, number five, the worst contraceptive method I've found comes from Egypt. Women would take fermented dough and mix it with crocodile dung and smear it on their vaginas. In the Middle East, women also used elephant dung in a similar way. And that made me wonder, I wonder, is there anybody alive today who would be willing to test this out to see how viable of an option this is? Yeah, it's oh, called yeah, internet there's, porn. Yeah, there's some freaks. That, yeah, they're they out there. They do all kinds of shit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Or so I hear. I wouldn't know personally. <laughs> So I hope everyone else is as happy as I am that we live in a modern age where medical science, you know, has real methods. Of, like pulling out. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's things like IUDs and condoms and, you know, super yeah. easy things. Condoms. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> hey, you know what? There's actual real methods now. It's not just a bunch of like witch doctor stuff or like take this fruit and mix it with this shit and then, you know, stick it in there. Let's go back to the juniper berries <laughs> it sounded like he was trying to make like a wrestling like like a cello wrestling thing or something the berries <laughs> smear them all over yourself now grab her like, uh, <laughs> so, if, hey this is this is how my research goes i'll like be diving into something and then bam i go off on a tangent but so, this was this was like legitimate science yeah <laughs> <laughs> So, back to Nero. Nero's parents, while he was young, had each been caught up in political scandals, of course, because they were part of the upper class. And then Claudius wound up being married to Nero's mother. So, Claudius was the emperor at the time, uh, because Caligula had died. And so, Claudius at, wound up marrying Nero's, Nero's mother, Agrippina, after Nero's father died at age 40. Big mistake. Yeah. Well, on his part. Yeah. <laughs> Nero was adopted to be the stepson of the emperor, and I call him Darth Claudius because who doesn't love a Star Wars joke about an emperor? At this time, if someone didn't have a son or an heir, they would adopt someone from another family to take their name, especially if they didn't have a son of their own. However, Claudius had a son of his own, Britannicus, but he was younger than Nero and in extremely poor health. When Nero was 16, Claudius had Nero marry his daughter, Claudia Octavia. Yes, he married his own stepsister. Well, she was pretty hot. Possibly. <laughs> and I she was know. a step, so... Yeah. I haven't seen any pictures of that. But she was supposed to be really good looking she, and she, really virtuous. Yeah, well... Which isn't really his bag, as no. we'll see later on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in, uh, but those are the most fun to break <laughs> <laughs> in 54 ad emperor claudius became sick and died it is believed that he was poisoned by agrippina so that nero 100%. would become emperor if claudius had continued to live until britannicus turned 16 his own son britannicus would have become emperor instead of nero so 
Nero's mother, Agrippina, this crazy woman, eh, maybe not crazy, maybe just power hungry like wench. Uh, she always craved power and wanted her son to be emperor and to have him be her puppet. Like, so, so many writings. She's just a female, basically. <laughs> no, she, like, she no. like re- <laughs> legit reminds me of Scarlett O'Hara's character from Gone with the Wind. She got banished by uh, Caligula. Yeah. And then she's like almost starved to death. And then when she got brought back by Claudia, she's like, I'm never going to go hungry again. Yeah. And she's like, I'm never going to, I'm going to take out anyone who can take me down. Yeah. And she just poisoned the motherfucker. She, she was ruthless. Yeah. Ruth- you, don't like, take, you don't take food from a chick, man. That's, <laughs> that's true. You don't. So, yeah, she wanted to have her own son be a puppet so she could wield power over everybody in the empire. Now that Nero was on the throne, she began to consolidate her power. The biggest threat to her was Britannicus, because he was the rightful heir of the throne. So the Roman writer Tac- oh, Tacitus, Tacitus, that's it. I keep saying Tactus, but it is Tacitus. Tacitus wrote that Agrippina urged Nero to get rid of his stepbrother and have him poisoned. But this was a challenge because all of the powerful people in Rome had food tasters to check for poison. The taster would try each dish and drink, which made poisoning very difficult. According to the story that Tacitus wrote, Nero came up with a way around the food taster. Nero had a very hot beverage served to everyone in the room. When Britannicus tried the drink, he complained that it was too hot, so Nero offered to cool it with some water that he had in a pitcher. Nero had Britannicus's drink cooled with his water, which had the poison in it. When Britannicus drank it, he died very quickly. Some say instantly, some say very quickly. Nero claimed that his stepbrother had had an epileptic fit, which killed him. Britannicus had suffered from epilepsy from a very young age, so it seemed kind of the plausible thing, too. Now, there are modern historians who have investigated and claimed that this story couldn't possibly be true. Some of these historians hired a forensic scientist to test three of the most deadly poisons used in Rome, hemlock, nightshade, and mandrake. When these three poisons are made, then added to water, they change the color of the water. And according to Tacitus' story, the water was clear so the food taster didn't feel the need to test it himself. This supposed proof makes, you know, brings some doubt to this story. I, however, find it still plausible to, the extent, to an extent because they could have possibly used snake or insect venom or just another plant that this forensic scientist didn't mention, you know, running tests on other of those, uh, on other of those, oh, sorry, on those things. Also, how clear was their water at the time? Exactly. Plus, like, Agrippina was a known poisoner. She like, had a woman it, who she paid just as a poisoner. Yep, yep. Like, and that like was this was, lady's job. You read about that story where she tested it on, like, a pig yeah. and didn't kill it fast enough, so she was like, no, nah, fuck that, quadruple, or whatever the formula is. Yeah. And then they tried it on another animal, and it died instantly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I 100% think that uh, they killed him, because he died, like, the day before he was about to turn, like, an adult, right? Yeah, he was, yeah it was the day before he was going to be of age where he could have qualified to have been emperor. He could have, you know, if he had had allies, he could have had Nero killed or banished or whatever. Mm-hmm. How angry was she? Like, oh my her, gosh. how did her resume go to get that job? Well, I've been cheated on about five times. <laughs> like, so her anger was there. So she was yeah. really, well, she got fucked by her sister, Caligula, yeah. who's a fucking monster. Yeah. So yeah, she had a pretty shitty childhood. Well, not as shitty as if you're like a a broke piece of shit in Rome. You're getting st- or a slave in Rome. Right. You have a little bit worse, but she had about as bad as you can get yeah, for somebody she, from, the from the upper echelon. Well, if yeah. you if you take away just the poverty part of being the underclass, 
they didn't really have it any better. They're all getting whacked left and right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like no one yeah. really had a really good shake. It sounds like yeah. You could never. Re- can you imagine? You never would be able to relax. Like, oh no! Constantly thinking like, all right, who's trying to to fuck me? Who's trying to poison me? And it's like kill or be killed. Yeah, it right. Really that's a scary was. society when you have to have like poison testers. <laughs> yeah, like that's crazy. Yeah. So when Nero was made emperor at 16, he was the youngest man to have ever been made emperor of Rome until 218 AD when there was another guy who was made emperor and he was like 13. His mother, Agrippina, had her own political rivals eliminated mostly through poison. Uh, Mostly family members and history does show that Agrippina did intend to rule through her son. How do we know this? Coins were minted with her face and Nero's face on them, something that was typically only ever reserved for the emperor, and she was the first woman to ever be on a Roman coin. So she was trying to flex her muscle, and Nero was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Nero Nero never was very much into politics. So he kind of just let her kind of her and her his advisors run the show. Uh, Agrippina continued to meddle by having her people spy on Nero and then openly criticized him. As Nero began to resent his mother, he would often threaten her. Nero didn't love or want his first wife, Octavia, as you briefly mentioned earlier. And he was having an affair with a slave woman named Acti or Act. I uh, don't know how to say that. It's a A-C-T-E. Agrippina didn't approve of this, so she started sleeping with Octavia. That's a creative way to call out your son on his affair. <laughs> That's a solid deal, though. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, needless to say, Nero and Agrippina grew apart, but neither of them made an over-effort to take out the other because without Nero, Agrippina would lose her power and Nero would lose support of the Roman people if he had her outright murdered. Agrippina even resorted to getting Nero drunk and then attempted to have sex with him. Incest was extremely taboo in Rome, and while Romans were very sexually open, incest was extremely shameful, and if he had openly had an incestuous relationship with his mother, most definitely he would have been killed by the Senate and the Praetorian Guard. However, Roman writers say that Nero's allies removed Agrippina when she tried to seduce him to protect him. One writer claims that it was Nero, not Agrippina, who wanted to initiate the incestuous relationship and says that people had seen stains on his clothing after traveling with his mother. So, I think they did. Probably. Probably is, in, yeah. Probably. There was like, there was enough evidence for there, enough writings that I'm going, yeah, this is plausible. It's probably happened. So Tacitus and Cassius Dio wrote that Nero finally wanted his mother killed. Nero attempted to have her poisoned three times, but each time she cured herself with an antidote. Then it was suggested to Nero that he could have a boat built with a trapdoor, and then while his mother was on it, he could have her thrown through the trapdoor, drowning her in the water. Nero then invited his mother to have dinner with him at his little private villa across the sea to resolve their differences and offered her a ride on his, quote, special boat. Agrippina gets on the boat and heads to dinner with Nero. After dinner, she gets back on the boat to head back to the mainland, and Nero says goodbye to her. As the boat is out on the water in the night, one of his men opens the trap door, and Agrippina ties up a slave to trick the guards, and they throw the slave through by mistake, and then Agrippina swims away safely. 
Now, current forensic scientists have tested this trapdoor theory, and they have concluded that it would be impossible to build one of their boats, the Trireme, with a secret trapdoor that could have opened without sinking the ship completely, which cast doubt on the story. But that's not all. Two other writers claimed kind of slight variations to this story. Uh, Nero tried to have his mother killed, but still on a boat, just in a different way. One story says that on the boat, there were lead weights designed to drop onto a throne Agrippina would be sitting on, which would have crushed her and killed her. But the throne was built too well, and it kept her safe by not breaking under the weight of the weights. The other story states that Nero had her ship be built so that it would collapse at sea, killing her. And then another story says that Nero just told one of his captains on another ship to ram the ship, sinking the ship and killing his mother. So obviously these stories vary quite a bit, but we know that Agrippina did die, probably at Nero's order, and most likely at the hands of an assassin's blade, though, not on the water. Uh, It is said that she told the assassin to stab her in the womb where she had given birth to such an abominable son. That's a great going out line. Yeah. It's it's yeah. not the it's not the only good going out line in oh, the story yeah, either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite lines in history. Yeah. Coming up. So Juan Juan just looks fascinated right now. It's a lot it's what a lot your, to suck to take in when yeah. you don't know it at all. Yeah. So it's so what like, would your mother have to have done for you to be like, that's it, enough's enough. I'm taking her ass out. I don't know, man. Me and my mom are too tight. Well, too tight, kind of like Agrippina and Nero. <laughs> you know, she's 80, and you know, she's having a bad day. You know, mm. gotta do what you gotta do. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, wow. Uncomfortable silence? Maybe for you, <laughs> not for grandma. <laughs> according, oh my gosh, according to the writers, Nero was doing well as a ruler while his mother was alive. Probably mostly because his mother and Nero's advisors made most of the decisions for him. Shortly after Agrippina died, though, Nero's advisor Burrus died, and because of political reasons, Nero's other close advisor Seneca died. It is said that he told Seneca to kill himself, so probably did. Nero kind of had a way with people. (laughs) Nero began behaving oddly. After his mother and his advisors died, or maybe he just, you know, was more noticed that he was behaving oddly because he was more prominently seen now rather than other people taking care of things for him. Uh, The empire began to suffer for his odd behavior, though. In his book, Nero, Edward Champlin wrote, quote, Nero murdered his mother and Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Nero also slept with his mother. Nero married and executed one stepsister, executed his other stepsister raped and murdered his stepbrother. In fact, he executed or murdered most of his close relatives. He kicked his pregnant wife to death. He castrated and then married a freedman. He married another freedman, this time himself playing the bride, and he raped a vestial virgin. He melted down the household gods of Rome for their cash value. All major no-nos. Yeah. Any one of those should be able to take somebody out. Yeah. And he got through all of that before getting uh, getting taken out. Let's look into the claim that Nero fiddled while Rome burned. On July 18th in AD 64, a fire started near the, circum- the circumcision. circumcision? 
Circus Maximus. Too close to home, Juan. Too close to home. Circus Maximus, they're in Rome. The fire burned many mansions, homes, and temples and government buildings. Like it destroyed three of the four, 14 Roman districts and then severely damaged seven more as it burned for nine days. Tacitus writes that this fire started by accident, but other writers claim that Nero had it started because he wanted to build himself a bigger palace. Contrary to the story, Nero was not in Rome at the time of the fire. He was 30 miles away. He came back to Rome as soon as he found out about the fire, and then he supervised the efforts of rebuilding the city and took care of the refugees' needs for food and shelter with his own personal money. He also wrote into law that homes should be built with brick instead of wood, and buildings should be spaced out so that the fire couldn't jump from building to building so easily. And actually, looking into like how their uh, their homes were built before this fire... It was just from like dry, cheap wood. Tinder box. Literally so like a tinder a box. modern uh, trailer park. <laughs> Basically. It was like Worse. a trailer park fire. Worse than that. Because it was all wood. And they were all just like stacked on top of each other. And there was no space. So like when one building caught on fire, the whole city caught on fire. Yeah. Plus like the kitchens like were almost in the, like all restaurants were on the yeah. first floor. Yeah. Oh, so fire inside. Out. Like, yeah. <laughs> you, one place you don't want to have a fire is on the bottom floor where it's, it can literally it blaze up to the top so not exactly what you would expect from somebody who's this notorious crazy person to have these logical laws come into place taking care of his own right. citizens i heard somewhere that he even let some of them stay in his own palace for, he, for a yeah, while he did i i read that there was a writing too where one of the other writers that didn't write a ton of crap about him they said he allowed refugees to stay in his own palace right so yeah we'll get into more about nero and you know the different takes on Nero and his life a little bit later in the episode. Uh, so interestingly enough, after the city was starting to recover from this and uh, Nero saw that most of the city was destroyed, Nero also, he had himself a grand palace built called the Golden House, which was supposed to have been over 300 acres large. Nice. He also had a bronze statue of himself 100 feet tall built at the entrance to his palace. The Golden House was so large, it took up nearly one-fourth of the city at that time. It's only so four. it's a super bust. Right. Yeah, there we go. That's nice. right. Well, There's nice. your pun for you. Nice. <laughs> it was also so large that it had its own olive garden, sabaros, and an old spaghetti factory. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, you know, 300 acres. Did you say 300 acres? Yeah. It was wow. massive. That's a serious man cave. Yeah. You, you can look up maps on it online. It's insane. It was huge. So the Great Fire of Rome was extremely costly. The government didn't have enough money to pay for all of the rebuilding, so Nero devalued their currency. Uh, when the Roman government needed money desperately, they would devalue their own coins by chipping off the edges, decreasing the weight, and then taking the chips and making new coins with them, often mixing the silver with different alloys, decreasing the weight of all the coins. Oh yeah, I saw um, some clip where this this historian had like a coin from right before that it happened, uh-huh. and it was like almost all like made of like gold or copper or whatever it was, and yeah. then like a coin shortly after, and it looked like dirt. It was like a fraction of the yeah. the metal content. It was ridiculous. 
yeah, he then actually this that was a pretty common practice in Rome when they were in dire straits for cash, they would devalue their currency, and that was actually one of the reasons why their uh, they actually the empire actually fell was because they kept devaluing their currency and you know kind of like modern countries that just print more money. Hey, we have a problem. Print more money. Print more money. Print more money. It's a different you know method now, but it's the same general idea. Like Germany after World War II, like you had to have like a barrel of cash, yeah. to buy a loaf of bread. Oh, the after World War One, you mean? Yeah, yeah, after yeah. World War One, it was four point one billion Reichsmarks per dollar. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> God, I thought I was broke now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was ridiculous. So after the fire, the Roman people really wanted someone to blame for the destruction of their city, and according to Tacitus, Nero blamed the fire on Christians and began persecuting them by having them killed by crucifixion, having wild animals kill them in the Colosseum, or having them tied to poles and then lit on fire to light his garden at night. The Romans... Damn. Yeah. Yeah, and that's not even disputed by most historians. They pretty much all agree that he did that part. Yeah. Yeah, that's, wow. a, that's something that is not, like, by the four sources that I looked into, they all wrote the same thing. So, pretty sure that happened. So, he used the Christians as... Like entertainment and lighting, and, and yeah, they were wow. the. Have, you, have yeah. you heard this little light of mine? <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Nero was a big believer. He's gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. <laughs> I didn't see. That's what I've been waiting for. <laughs> that's what I've been waiting for. Holy shit. Oh my goodness. That's gold, man. (laughs) (laughs) That is truly offensively funny. (laughs) God damn. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I was wondering what we were going to do with all these Christians. So, yeah. Well, don't let them go to waste. Yeah. Okay, the Roman historian <laughs> Suetonius wrote that Nero did not blame the fire. Who was <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, did not blame the fire on Christians, but he disliked them and then began to kill them. So there was one guy who sort of, you know, disputed the reasoning, but other writers, mostly other writers, said that Nero had Peter and Paul, who were both writers of the books of the Bible, executed. But then other writers said that while Paul and Peter were martyred, it was not by any personal order from Nero. There were no writings in the Bible itself that specifically named Nero either. He's the beast. That's what, actually, a lot of writer, Christian writers wrote that, but it wasn't until like two, three hundred years later, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. I was like, it's kind of like, if he, what? Like, he's yeah, dead 200 sense. years. Yeah. It doesn't even make sense. Like, I looked into some of those writings, and I was like, why would you write that? It was 200 years ago. It was kind of interesting to me uh and actually interesting fact is you know why nero could have possibly blamed the christians for the fire well the first jewish roman war began in 66 a.d which was right around the time that the romans began killing the christians and this was just after the great fire of rome and it stands to reason that since christianity began in the judean province they were caught up in the killing along with the jews and they were seen as a great scapegoat to the Roman people, like, hey, we want someone to blame. And Nero has built this huge giant palace, and then there's probably a lot of his political rivals saying, hey, 
you know, well, he set the fire because he wanted to have this big palace, and he's just like, uh, hey, it's the Christians. We're already killing them anyway. They're already revolting. So an actually interesting story about the Jewish rebellion uh, was the siege of Masada, which is right on the Dead Sea in Israel. And I actually visited Masada last February, and it is incredible. The fortress of Masada sits on top of a plateau that overlooks the Dead Sea, and there is only one way up to the top, a trail called the Snake Path. I hiked the Snake Path, and it was a brutal hike. No army could get up, let alone lay siege to the fortress because it is just way too narrow and steep of a path. Any Roman soldiers hiking up would have been killed easily by the defenders. So the Romans built a wall out of stones and built camps all around the fortresses, or I should say all around the fortress of Masada. The walls of the camps and the wall that circles the base of the mountain are still standing there today. I walked right by it, and you can see it all from the top of the fortress. It's fascinating. It's been there for 2,000 years. Uh, Even more impressive (laughs) is that the Romans didn't give up. They built a massive ramp out of thousands of tons of dirt and stones big enough to move siege towers up to the walls of the fortress. It took them an estimated two to three months to build this ramp, and when it was completed, they sent a battering ram to the top and broke through the wall, only to find all 960 Jews inside dead. They had drawn lots and killed each other, and then the last man killed himself to avoid torture and capture. And that ramp still stands to this day. You can walk up and down it. It is fascinating. It was mind-blowing to see that. It's a lot of uh, of drawing lots. Can you imagine losing that 960 times? Yeah. To be be the one that kills yourself? Because Jews were not big on that. that. It's a mortal sin, right? Yeah, for the Jewish people, yeah. Suicide is a no-no. Unlucky person. Yeah. Apparently, uh, getting tortured is even more of a no-no. Well, they, the, with what the Romans would yeah, have done to them, it would have, they would have just been treated them terrible because they were rebels. And the Romans, uh, let's just say, did not treat rebels very kindly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, they're lighting Christians with, you know, lighting their gardens with Christians burning. Yeah. So. The Romans were, in my opinion, I think the most repre- repressive regime that just oppressive regime that ever was in existence. They took cruelty to, just to a whole new level. Like, it's insane. Like, when they. Spanish when they, Inquisition? I think they did more when they when they fought Carthage, the Carthage Empire. Mm-hmm. They l- went to Hispania, modern day Spain, and there was a big city there that was you know partnered with Carthage, and they sent like what was it like twelve thousand Roman, twelve fifteen thousand Roman troops over there, and they literally slaughtered everybody in the city, men, women, children, animals, everything. They didn't loot anything, they didn't take anything, and they completely destroyed the city. Archaeologists are like still digging up the city. They just wiped it off the face of the earth. Because yeah, a lot of people in the Bible do the same thing. True. But like they they were like systematically they just Yeah. <laughs> they, took, they took it to like an industrial exactly. level. Exactly. They yeah. Well when yeah. you don't take any of the of the spoils, right? Right. It's just an ultimate fuck you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like yeah. I just came here to kill you. Yeah. Good point. And they did, yeah, they didn't take and like they they like the archaeologists are finding like gold, jewelry, you know, like valuables there, and the Romans didn't take any of it. They were just like, we're gonna wipe this place. They hated the Carthaginians so much, they just wiped them out. It, well, have you been to Carthage? No, they're fucking dicks. <laughs> I have not been there. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm kidding. <laughs> so in 65 AD, Gaius Calpurnius Piso, a Roman statesman, organized a conspiracy against Nero to get rid of him. What, what's so funny, Juan? <laughs> He's killing me, man. <laughs> <laughs> this is why he does what he does. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you just got to let it sink in. It's like, God damn, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> There's such dicks, of course. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this guy Piso, he he conspired to kill Nero and get rid of him because he wanted to return Rome to a republic. This conspiracy was discovered by a freedman. And actually, a freedman, just so people know, if you don't know what that term is, it was a slave who had been freed. So they were called freedmen after they had been, you know, earned their slave or earned their freedom from slavery. Or sometimes, uh, if they had an owner who thought, you know, had some sort of compassion on them, they would free them. So it wasn't it wasn't super uncommon, but still, a lot of slaves in there was it, the slavery in certain times in the Roman Empire was so they had more slaves than Romans or so many like the revolt of Spartacus. They they just had so many slaves. The slaves were finally like. Uh, there's almost um, as much of us as there is them, so why don't we just take over? And they caused the Romans a lot of headaches when they would rebel. So, yeah. But anyways, this freedman, Milicus, uh, reported, he heard about this conspiracy, and then he reported it to Nero's secretary. Nero had Piso and his co-conspirators killed for treason, and then this is the same year that Nero's second wife, Papea, died. This is the one that he was- Got died. Yeah, she got dead. Uh, this is the one that he is supposed to have kicked to death while she was pregnant. Most likely, she died in childbirth, and it is said that Nero went into a deep depression because of her death. I don't think he kicked her to death. <coughs> There's enough uh, writings out there and enough saying that he was distraught and depressed for a while after she died. He probably really did you know, love her and care about her and the child that died. Man, you're talking about some rough reporting, right? You yeah. got like two sides. One's like, you kicked the shit out of her and the baby. And then like <laughs> the other one's like, you know, we help people stay in this palace and times were tough. It's like, you know, there's not really a lot, a lot of middle ground there. Right. Yeah. He kind of goes off the rails after, the, after yeah. this incident. Yeah. You'll, he, he, allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. We'll get into more of the, what we actually think Nero was like. So, uh, in a little bit later, uh, Nero was more interested in being an artist and didn't care much for politics. Uh, detached from politics and reality, Nero focused largely on his own enjoyment, having lavish parties for himself. His parties were wild. <laughs> like, I'd like to celebrate me. <laughs> yeah. He, he made uh, Kim Jong-il look like, you know, like he oh, was a child's play. Child's play. Exactly. Uh, Nero was not into war and conquest or the gladiatorial games either. By the way, throwback to Kim Jong-il. Uh, go listen to that episode if you want to hear me talk about Kim Jong Il's parties. Oh, dude, didn't he have like the largest porn collection in the world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that that's how you party, but still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Nero, yeah, he wasn't into war and like loved whiskey or something like that. Yep. Yeah, Nero wanted to be a professional liar, player, singer, and actor. So he was just big into acting and the arts. He exercised very hard to become a singer slash liar player. 
he uh to, sorry to prepare for being a singer he would lay flat on his back and then put lead weights on his chest to strengthen his chest chest muscles so he'd like put a lot of weight on his chest and then breathe in and out to strengthen the muscles he would also drink chives soaked in oil and when his muscles were sore he would rub his sore muscles with boar's dung not even kidding and boar's dung is precisely why patrick mahomes and the kansas city chiefs uh, won the Super Bowl this year. After each game, Mahomes takes an ice bath, followed by a thick layer of Boar's Dung. Hey, if it works. Yeah. I, yeah. You're dung if you do, you're dung if you don't, I guess. Oh my there we go. <laughs> Nero then went on tour. His first show was in Naples, and he was highly praised by the crowd, leading him to become... As opposed to what? Were they going to boo him? Exactly. Right. <laughs> is a liar? Is that like a wind instrument? Or no, it's guitar. like a stringed instrument. It's like, a like an so it's ancient like, guitar. So he's like the, the metal guy. Okay, so he's a rock star. <laughs> yeah. Back in, okay, that makes yeah. sense. This, you know, made him think like a rock star with a head way too big for his shoulders. Uh, Nero's, Nero toured mostly Greece, and the Greeks loved Nero because when he arrived there, he declared that they were exempt from paying taxes. So, obviously, they loved him. Uh, this angered the Senate immensely, seeing how Greek taxes made up a lot of the government's income. On tour, he had 2,000 carts with his equipment and men, traveled, men traveling with him. A lot of roadies. Yeah. And then he had 5,000 paid applauders for each show. A lot of groupies. Yeah. 5,000 people that he paid. I would kill to have 5,000 people at a show. <laughs> and if anyone didn't laugh, I would also kill. <laughs> so Adam's just going to kill people. Yeah. <laughs> well, he is white and bald, just like you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, knock until you try it. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Nero also competed in chariot races and won all of them. He one race he won despite falling out of the chariot and then not even finishing. And he was still declared the winner. Wow, shocking. Yeah, if and, I'm running next to him, I'm thinking, do I really want to pass this motherfucker? <laughs> no, no probably not. not. Yeah. <laughs> and at one of his musical performances, he had the doors locked so no one could leave until he was finished. And it is reported in, <laughs> that at another concert a woman gave birth to a child and Nero just kept on playing his lyre until he was finished. That's some intense focus. I kind of respect that. Yeah. In he the shuts zone. the door. He's feeling it. You're going to listen to every damn word I have to say. <laughs> yeah. So on tour in Greece, he competed in 1800 art, musical, and theater contests and won all 1800. That's a spotless record. Yeah. So he was 100% in his uh, art competitions which is kind of ridiculous uh nero also invented macaroni art he was the first person to ever glue elbow macaroni onto a papyrus scroll and he made a macaroni self-portrait and naturally gave himself a huge macaroni penis in typical roman artistic fashion you were like were you like buying spaghetti or like <laughs> He was hungry when he was doing the yeah, research. He was, <laughs> he was looking through like his dry storage. He was like, spaghetti. Like, I got, elbow, a, lot of, I got a lot of noodles in here. Profala is going to come up here a sec in a second. <laughs> I believe that's the end of the pasta joke. So that's all. Of it. I, I, I'm dubious on that fact. I think <laughs> there might be at least one more. 
Okay, so being an actor, musician, or a performer was considered to be the very bottom of social standing in the Roman culture. So by going on tour and becoming an artist and performer, this infuriated the Senate and the military leaders, and then a lot of the Roman people even, because Nero was clearly, clearly ignoring his responsibilities and spending vast amounts of money on himself, which was beginning to cause economic problems for Rome. And then around this time, Nero had his son, Marcus Adamus Lahanus. Nero instructed Marcus in the arts and pressured him to become a performer like him. He was taught how to act, sing, and play the lyre. When Marcus turned 14, he was already more accomplished musician than his father, Nero. This led Nero to become extremely jealous of Marcus, so Nero arranged to have Marcus go on tour in Gaul and the Germanian provinces modern-day France and Germany, but we already talked about that. Uh, the regions of Gaul and Germania had been conquered by the Romans, and they resented Roman rule severely. Nero did not give the territories tax-exempt status like he had with Greece, which made the Gauls and the Germans feel, or shoot, sorry, which made the Gauls and the Germans dislike Marcus even more. Nero made things even worse when he hired a German poet, Frederick Dersitis, to tour and perform with Marcus. It was written that Frederick had a very unpleasant high-pitched voice and that was very irritating to listen to. He also pranced about the stage behaving as if he was better than everyone else, which especially angered the Gauls. Tacitus wrote of Frederick, he was not an artist, just a slow, small man who was overcompensating for his lack of manhood. And then at one show, Frederick insulted the Gauls with an offensive joke. The crowd became irate and began to tear apart the theater. Frederick was injured during the riot and was found limping away outside of the theater. Marcus had his complement of Praetorian Guard take Frederick back to the destroyed theater where they crucified him and lit him on fire. Ouch. That's real? No, I made I all that so. shit I was up. Like, I was like, I was like, I was like, like how have I missed this? It's like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you didn't have it. So, set. Marcus Adamus Lohannes is just Mark Adam Juan in Latin. Uh-huh. Well, that explains the start chart statue. Yeah. And Frederick Dersitis is just Fred Durst. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Callback. <laughs> Callback to last week. Yeah. By the way, uh, we don't need to go on this huge tangent, but how in God's name can you like freaking Limp <laughs> Come on now. You don't have time for my love of biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> Dear God. Uh, my brother was into them for a while. I the problem was everybody I was, was into them for a while. No, correction. I was never into them. <laughs> ever. Like I had a sl- tiny, small little corn phase. Yeah. I would say it was maybe six months. Again, my brother got me into them too. But no, I never dabbled with the biscuit. Didn't wow. risk it. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're very punny today. So, the Roman people and the Senate, oh, sorry, to the Roman people and the Senate, Nero's activity was extremely un Roman. They began to lose respect for him. And when he returned to Rome, he paraded through the streets with his medals from the competitions he won. This infuriated the Roman people because, in their eyes, a true Roman emperor would return with the spoils of war, slaves, money, and goods from the conquered lands. Nero returned with things that only served himself and his ego. 
This led to many of the men in the Roman legions to defect, and many Roman provinces also began to rebel. So rather than try to take control of his empire, Nero became very apathetic and did nothing about it. In June of 68 AD, Nero awoke one night and the entire palace was deserted. His praetorian guard had secretly gone to meet with the Senate to discuss how to get rid of him. Nero fled the palace and ran into three slaves and had them get horses and they all traveled to a via on the outskirts of Rome. They broke into the via and it was locked and then they waited. Eventually, a messenger came and informed them that Nero had been declared an enemy of the state and had been sentenced to death in the, quote, ancient manner. Nero didn't know what that meant and asked the slaves. So they told him that he would be stripped naked and paraded through the streets of Rome with his head clamped in a forked branch, and finally he would be stoned to death. And what they would do is they'd take a forked branch and they would just jam your neck into it really, really hard. Ouch. Yeah, like really, really hard. Very sounds extremely painful. Uh, the Is that like the stocks? Sort of, but different. Similar. But yeah, they would parade him around naked and sure people would throw throwing stuff at him and stuff. But he then didn't want his tiny bird hanging out, so he's like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. So then the slave suggested to Nero that he should commit suicide because it was probably the better choice. Instead of suicide, Nero gathered his slaves and horses and then fled to modern-day North Korea and changed his name to Kim Jong-Nero and started the Kim Dynasty in the North Korean state. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's the end. No, I'm kidding. He didn't do that. Nero then had the slaves begin digging a grave for him. At dawn, some Roman soldiers approached and Nero had one of the slaves help him stab himself in the throat. His last words were, here it is, Adam, you've been waiting for us, quote, what an artist dies with me and he was 30 years old that is a great last line it actually is yeah i don't know how i could stab myself in the throat though someone would just have to do it that's a well that's why you had the slave help jeez it literally sounds like kanye <laughs> hey if we can talk him into doing that <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i actually like kanye's music i can't stand him <clears throat> as a person but but oh, he would definitely say some shit like what an artist does. He would. Yeah, that's what sure. I, yeah, that's exactly yeah, what I was thinking. He, he would. Okay, so after, <laughs> after Nero, Rome wanted a more stable emperor. And after, that. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. well, it was him, before him was Claudius, and Claudius did okay, but then before Claudius was Caligula. So they were just tired of it. Two out of four were straight shit. Yeah. They were awful. So after a year of civil war, shocking, uh, the next <laughs> emperor, Verspasian, took power and had Nero's golden house destroyed and then had the new Colosseum built where Nero's 100-foot-tall statue stood. And actually, where the Colosseum is now, that's where Nero's statue was. So it's in that same location. They just had a new Colosseum built and they wrote tore down his statue so you, there's a few small parts of nero's palace still you can that are still there underground but most of it was just built over or destroyed by the new emperor but there's still some stuff there there's like a domed thing with like a light for like you can see stars and sunlight through and i'm surprised that still some of it exists but they just kind of like built over top of it right typical roman thing yeah so what kind of ruler was Nero actually? Uh, honestly, that's hard to tell with any sort of certainty. 
Obviously, history is written by the victors, and it is very easy to see that after Nero's death, there were many people who wanted to make him out to be far worse than he actually was. Now, obviously, that is a lot of information to unpack that we just went over. And after doing more research, I personally believe that Nero did, in fact, have a lot of his family killed and raped several people, probably family members even. I don't believe he kicked his pregnant wife to death. It is most likely she died in childbirth and that later on the writers wrote that in to just smear him and discredit him. Uh, One thing that drove me crazy was the opinions of some of the modern historians and investigators on Nero. And they often say, quote, by our current standards of justice, we just don't have enough evidence to convict Nero. So he's clearly innocent, which is ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, that's... Because you don't have any DNA, witness statements, closed caption video of his murders or rapes. So... Hey, uh, if the liar does not fit, (laughs) you must acquit. Exactly. Uh, I would have expected someone... I mean, was someone supposed to like save evidence for almost 2,000 years so these forensic scientists could, you know, figure this out now? It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, outside of a time machine, no one's ever going to know for sure. But the best way you can go about it is like cross-reference a bunch of different sources. Right. And to Which, say that there's not strong enough evidence, evidence, you could say that about almost everything in history. Yeah, because all you have is writings now. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, you cannot judge history. I really do believe you cannot judge history by our current modical standards, especially with the mindset that we should judge them by our current court standards. It's absurd. Completely agree. You can go off of writings and the knowledge of the culture at the time, but one thing is clear history is written by the victors. Nero was not popular after his death. He left the empire in economic ruin by spending large amounts of money on himself. He shamed his people by becoming an artist and musician, which was considered the lowest of people. He only cared about his own ego and self, and he had a hundred foot statue of himself built. So he was clearly full of himself. I believe that the truth about Nero lies somewhere in the middle of the writings of the Roman historians and the facts from the science that has been done to test those stories. Did Nero have his mother and a large portion of his family killed? Sure, probably. Uh, But his mom was evil. Right. And that's how politics just worked in Rome. Right. Did he do awful sexual things to young boys and women? Probably. That was also just how things were done in Rome. Oh, yeah. He still is to this day. People in power, nothing's really different. No. Are you going to break out some Pizzagate stuff on this? (laughs) I, I I cannot discuss the current issues. (laughs) Uh, we just turned into the alex jones show we just did (laughs) uh did he start the fire of rome and play music no he He didn't start the fire he he was 30 miles away and he didn't play music and he actually helped the city rebuild Uh, what was that goddamn billy joel line i fucked it up He has that song. He didn't, uh, we didn't the start fire. the fire. It was always burning. Yeah, I can't recall. I was like, I, I fucking blanked. I was like, God oh. damn it! Now I have to go listen to that song on the way home. <laughs> Good song. So now you just it do it again and then edit. You make it sound smooth. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, did we'll Nero- make it up in post. We'll make it up. We'll, we'll make it up. <laughs> <laughs> did Nero kick his wife to death? I doubt it. I don't, and, I don't think so either. Uh, I do believe he hated his first wife, but he then had her banished, divorced her, and then had her killed. So she it, was a prude. He he did not like her at all. No, it was also his stepsister. So he probably just you know, eh, my sister, I can't stand you. So his Some answer was she was a prude. <laughs> that's that's a big part of it. Like that's a, well, from what I've heard and what I've done, I kind of research. Yeah, like she yeah. was just a 
she was like super and it kind of plays into that fact that like the the upper echelon of roman society was like yeah not cool to be doing all the stuff you're doing like the music the yeah. acting so she was big into like you can't do that shit he's like nah fuck you yeah he, Plus, she wasn't down with him fucking all kinds of people. Yeah, and he was very promiscuous. There was a whole article I read just on like Nero's sex life. I could have talked to that for probably another, put in another hour of just that, like in yeah, his parties. I have a oh, theory yeah. about that myself. I, I've often said like, I think most people, not all, but most people are about as faithful as their options. If you are, have that kind of power and pull, I'm pretty sure most people are going to do that stuff. Well, I think history probably backs you up on that yeah. for yeah. sure. I mean, come on. There's Except no for Augustus. True. Augustus didn't do any of that shit. Right. He was super prude. Augustus was the like legitimate one good Roman leader that they had, or one Roman emperor that they had. Other guys were like, they did okay, but... Yeah, Vespasian did okay. Hadrian did okay. Uh, Constantine Team did okay. okay. Yeah. But a lot of shit in between. Yeah, lots want, and lots. You want anything? One interesting. I'm not sure how much you know about Tiberius. I think that guy got the guy that was right after Augustus mm-hmm. and was the guy who basically groomed Caligula. Caligula? Who was yeah. a monster. Uh, I think that kind of similar to Nero. I think a lot of his stuff is just him getting smeared because yeah. he didn't want to engage with all the, so- no. the society types and he kind of snubbed those people. But they had like. Rumors that he would have like little kids like nibble on his junk while he was swimming. Yeah. All this crazy fucked up stuff. And I'm like, no, nah, he probably didn't do any of that. Um, but that's just my opinion. Well, so that's he, another rabbit he, hole you can go down. He, you can. I actually did go down that rabbit hole, but I was like, it's not really about Nero. So I didn't put it into the script. Right. But he like he got so sick of the politics and just like the backstabbing. He moved to an island and had like one of his aides run the political system in his absence. So he just went and lived on a, a lavish life on an island somewhere and then brought Caligula with him. Yep. Capri. Yep. So he was, yeah, he was just like, I'm not down with this. And then all the people hated that because he wasn't in Rome and he wasn't taking care of things or doing the good Roman emperor thing. So it's just like modern politics. It's like, you just can't win. Exactly. Yeah. And he you left know? Rome with like this huge surplus of money too. And Caligula wasted it all. Oh, yeah. Caligula, I think personally, Caligula is the worst emperor uh, in Roman history. Yeah. And I wouldn't even put Nero in my top three, no. really. I mean, he's definitely top five. Yeah. If you believe even half the stuff that's true, that's said about him. So he's definitely top five. But I think that um, he was much better than, than um, Caligula. Definitely. Like, order of magnitude better. Caligna, Caligula tried to impregnate all three of his sisters to have an heir. Mm-hmm. Including Nero's uh, mom. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> and he like forced like uh, like all of, like these senators to have their wives be prostitutes for money. Yeah. To raise money for himself. Yep. He he's he's God. <laughs> his history is he's a straight psycho. Yeah. Damn. Tried to make his horse a, a freaking politician or something yeah he tried like he made a, it that's like some sugar night shit yeah i think <laughs> he's a bitch out there making some money <laughs> yeah he like legit i think went crazy like he almost died at one point yeah and then like he came back and then like after that he was like a light oh spirit. yeah he had a he had a really really bad illness with a really high fever mm-hmm. and after that he was never the same and started acting and i think his fever got so high whatever the sickness was it literally like cooked part of his brain For sure. and he just couldn't think clearly because he, well, he, he was like had some kind of sexually 
transmitted disease too. Well, he wasn't as crazy before that. Right, but before that he was one of the He wasn't really disturbed. Like he had all this wealth. Rome was really rich. He was doing rather well. And then he got sick and it just like switched off like a light. He just flipped. And then when he started doing crazy shit. Yeah. And so that it didn't could, last long. Though. No. Then everyone was like, we couldn't. And his own like guard killed him because he wouldn't stop mocking him. So, yeah. Wow. Roman history really is fascinating. There's oh. like a th- Rome was an empire that lasted for like over a thousand years. So there's so much you can look into. So it was really hard to like break, you know, find one subject and break down into it. But I really do think we're going to come back to another, you know, part of Rome in a future episode because there's so much cool interesting stuff to learn about and it's actually really interesting to to me to like I don't, I'm one of those people that really <laughs> I saw the coolest graph on Facebook the other day, uh, other day and it was like a line graph you know there's like a line on the left a vertical line on the left and then a horizontal line on the right and then there's like a, a line drawn between the top you know the two edges so it makes a triangle so at the one end it says current trust in the government and the other send other one says uh, knowledge of history. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a very, very a good description because the, the less you know about history, the more you trust the government. And the more you know about history, the less you trust the government. And, and we're back to Alex Jones. <laughs> He's going to be the guest next week. Oh my God. <laughs> that would be a great get. I'm totally kidding. I, although I would, if, if we could get him, I would do it. Just. I'll be honest. Like I'll sometimes I'll like, just curiosity listening mm-hmm. like how crazy is this guy going to be this week yeah and he never disappoints he i would crazy i would like to interview mark Sargent, the flat earth guy i would like to interview david ike the crazy lizard guy oh, yeah, yeah. i like <laughs> i wouldn't care like i wouldn't care if they hung up during the middle of the call i would still do it <laughs> oh for sure i'd like to interview that Juan guy he's clearly insane as yeah. well absolutely nuts <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, not as crazy as the, you know, Roman guy, Mark Adam Juan. He was pretty nuts. Tonius. <laughs> that was, that was actually not bad. That was pretty did, did I get you a little bit there, yeah, Juan? a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I was, like, confused. Cause I, was like, I was like, I don't want to call him out. <laughs> I was like, I'm almost positive that that's not real. But I was like, that, that seemed that's- pretty... Like, okay, that does seem like some crazy shit somebody would do. Yeah. Where they send them out on tour. And I thought you were going to say who's got it sent on tour so he would get killed by those people. <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. This guy's going on stage and acting weird. I was like, okay, this isn't flying. Yeah. But I, I was polite. I didn't want to interrupt I, in the middle. It's fine. I had way too much fun writing that. And then, you know, I was like, I put so many bad pasta Italian food jokes in here. I was like, I could probably get away with a bigger story. <laughs> you did good. You did get great research. Thank you. It's actually really, really enjoyable to do the research. That's one thing. And actually, I've already picked out the next topic. Uh, it's going to be China's Great Leap Forward. That's going to be a fun one. Talk about another monster. Yeah. Wow. God. Yep. He, his body count just is top 10 all time. Yeah. It's. He's just killed all. He got a lot of people killed. Him, Stalin. Yep. Pol Pot up Pol there. Pot. Pol- oh my gosh, Pol Pot. So Juan, what do you think about Nero? I think it's typical of like people who are in power when they get too much. Yeah. You know, like if you have excess of excess of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like we complain about our government a lot, but there are some checks and balances that keep that kind of crazy shit right. from happening. I mean, 
Almost. <laughs> yeah. He was like a spoiled brat that somehow survived for a while and got some power. Just never matured. Right. But he did do some good things. Like, I'm not much on that politics thing, but it sounds a lot like Trump. It's like, <laughs> he's an entertainer. He's got a show. You know, he's got money. Except uh, for he, he wanted to fuck his mom, not his daughter. That's the difference. Yeah. yeah Trump that is, is constantly difference. talking about how hot Ivanka is, which he's not wrong. But still, you're her freaking dad. That's gross. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh. By the way, Melania Trump is the hottest first lady in the history of the United States. It's not even close. Not even close. And I can't see it getting topped anytime soon. Probably. She's a freaking supermodel. Yeah. That's because he came with money. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're telling me she didn't marry him for his personality? (laughs) No, I think it was the hair. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We'll be back next Monday with more jokes and hilarity and more jokes about Fred Durst. See y'all later. Bye bye. <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> Just Nah, Juan, how'd nah. you like Dan? Oh my god, he was great, dude. <laughs> Watch him like, yeah, I had to, I listened to that podcast over and over and over again. <laughs> Says this to every fucking guest. My love, my love for Limbiscuit really isn't about the music, to be perfectly honest. It's it's about my love for Fred. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, perfectly honest, that's not surprising because you can't possibly love the music because it's trash. <laughs> exactly. And Fred, I will give Fred Durst this. <coughs> he knows what he is. True. And he definitely made the most out of his life. Well, Talk about like I guess really the taking advantage. That I'm kind of supportive of Fred is honestly because he did help a lot of people when he was coming up. He was not the kind of person that like forgot his friends or forgot people or was shitty. He helped people out that would have never even had a chance if it wasn't for him. I mean, he did a, a couple things that I didn't really like with bands that I knew, but... Like, make music? Like, shitty. God damn it. <laughs> Great minds. Thank you a lot. <laughs> so, I like... I always root for the underdog. But were they the underdog? Not really. Well, I mean... They were just a moment in time where the music was at an all-time low. Other well, than I, maybe the 80s. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, we know how much Juan hates the 80s music. <sighs> Good. 80s music. 80s is the worst decade for music, mu- music movies, and television. I, I always feel like so alone. It's like, am I the only guy my age that listens to new music at all? You know? It's like... <laughs> well, luckily, Limp Biscuit came along and saved you. Look, you don't know what it's like behind blue eyes. Oh, my God. And on that note, in that horrible joke. Sorry. Oh, dude, that was cold. I was digging that. (laughs) It was okay when the Who did it, but uh, not so much. So, yeah, I think Fred Durst is probably going to become a reoccurring joke on this show, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Juan, not so much. You just keep going. (laughs) Juan's thinking, fucking give me something to break. You know what's fucked up? <laughs> I actually sent the link to that video to my ex-wife the other day. Why? Oh my. 
because uh, she was coming Gets off real little, hot. No, no, she was coming off real crazy, and I was like, "It's probably your song for the day." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she still hates me. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, in a marriage, it's important. You, you got to have faith. That's Stop a, I, I, I don't even know how I, I, I apologize. That didn't even really make sense. I'm just slipping in song titles at the moment. Are you, that's just because you do it your way. Uh-huh. Uh, Adam's all about doing it my way. That's right. Swag. Yep. How we roll. We could do this yeah. for another 10 minutes. How long you want to go on? No, no. We need to keep rolling. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Dan's freaking Fred Durst. Yeah. Were hilarious. Wasn't it, though? It was so on point. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think he did that on Saturday at the, to me at the show, too. He's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, ah. <laughs> Got this, like, I, you know what, thing what was great about listening to that one for me was because I couldn't hear half the shit he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I didn't even hear the part where he called out for everyone to do it at the same time. I was like, whoa, did I miss something? <laughs> <laughs> I felt like the Maybe Stephen that's why Glenn he likes Limp Biscuit. He wasn't lunch. able to hear half of it. <laughs> that could be true. Yeah. All he heard was the music, none of the lyrics. <laughs> uh, Juan was like, he says, yeah? <laughs> It's like my bottle. <laughs> Feed the baby! <laughs> Alright. I'm done fucking around with you guys' day. Let's go. 